0: Two o'clock on a Wednesday. It's time. You know what time it is. When you hear the trippy music on Mutiny Radio. Dot FM, it's time! For there are some who call me... Tim! So, call me Tim here on Mutiny Radio. I'm joined today by Annie 2 Oakland-based comedian... Lovely human being, I'll have her look deep in the eyes of Sparkle Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus?
1: So, as a as a dude, yes. Um, I grew up believing very much in in the the magical Jesus, but I don't. The magical Jesus isn't with me anymore. Like magical Jesus, like you say, I want to have this boyfriend, and then sparkles, and then it's yeah, and and really the whole. Uh, kind of mythology of the whole thing. I think he was a dude. I think he was here. I think he did some good things and there's a lot to be learned from his life, but... You don't think he like rose
0: to heaven with the birds and the clouds and the stuff, the thing, the ascension? No. No. So do you think that the whole like rising again, that do you think he rose from the dead? Do you think, I mean, because... we know we're people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People can't come from the dead. Dead people are dead. Mm-hmm. They don't come back. But they say he did. Mm-hmm. So is it like he was a dude and he died like a dude? And then we made up this silly story about him coming back to life.
1: You know, I, I think so. I think it became part of a, a mythology and storytelling. Because, I mean, if you look back at human history for as long as... You know, storytelling was our oldest art. Sure. And it's always been used to teach things that are important to teach lessons right and you know i think that there's some blurring of lines in there between what's history and what's mythology for the sake of teaching
0: but then how is it that so many people believe that the bible is real
1: Really good PR.
0: Really? Really good
1: PR over the years. Yeah. You know, and so and this comes from a place of me just not being just like I don't I don't believe anything is stupid. I grew up Religious. I grew up uh, in, in the Midwest. Uh, grew up Lutheran. Ooh, those—that's like Catholicism light. It, it, that's what we always called it. It's, it's a little bit less kneeling. It's, it's there's less guilt. There's less like feeling bad about yourself in sure, in being sure. Lutheran. But it's it's yeah, it's it's like Catholic light. Yeah. You know, uh, we always kind of took a like sort of a rebel spirit that Luther was the first one to break off and nail up the 95 theses and all that kind of stuff. We're like, yeah, sticking it to him. But then, really, wasn't that different? Than Catholicism, just no praying to saints, really. Ah, yeah. But do you still have to absolve your sins through a
0: priest? No. Okay, so no praying to saints and no and and, and direct relationships so that you exactly. can ask forgiveness without an in between.
1: Exactly. That's that's the big difference. Yeah. But then why do we even? Ah, that's it.
0: Do do we need a gatekeeper on our like when you are asking for forgiveness? Isn't part of it if somebody else knows like then you're actually asking for something. Because if it's just like you talking to God and thinking, like, oop, I really I really made a mistake. Please forgive me. There's no, like, responsibility in that.
1: that I think that depends on the individual. Uh, if you're a person that requires the social... Um, backlash isn't really the word. The social weight of someone knowing your sins so that you can feel properly bad about it, ah. then I think that's where it comes in. But if you're like, oh, shit, I fucked up. I feel really bad about it. I'm going to atone for that. And I, I don't think ah. that's something that needs to involve another person. All right.
0: Yeah. Hey, do you, uh, do you still... Mm, do you find yourself asking forgiveness or do you find yourself begging for permission or how do
1: you <laughs> <laughs> look, look, look what's my what's my relationship with something higher. You know, the really it comes down to I'm I'm not like a staunch like Dawkins-esque atheist. I think if anything he does a lot of damage for people in the uh, world of, of biology and and of Dawkins? Who's Dawkins? Uh, Richard Dawkins. He's an evolutionary biologist who Ooh. is like um, which is, is my background as well um, You're an evolutionary biologist? Yeah Wow! <laughs> wow! Yeah, that's so m- like, One of my degrees
0: is in yeah, like the study of like beavers turning into chipmunks or no, that's like- not really
1: a thing. But the but the, <laughs> 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 but, the but the study of um, how things change and interact and how really how things are all related. Wow! Um, and I think that's where um, I find. A, a, a greater sense of greatness is in looking at that versus the kind of story of a guy in, in the sky watching. Sure. I can, you know, look at a thing and say, like, this came to be over millions of years as a result of circumstance, adaptation, and change. Wow. It has a place. It has a function. If this was gone, a whole cascade of other things would suffer.
0: I feel that way about cats. Yeah. Like, because half cats, they were, I mean, what were the original cats? I mean,
1: could you imagine time travel? Well, do you, as an evolutionary biologist, Uh do you know what cats were like a million years ago? I mean... Fossil records and everything, as far as like our, our domestic cats. Sure. Like, I don't know about millions and millions of years ago, probably not that different because they're kind of perfectly designed uh, creatures. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we know from fossil records that they started hanging out with people, you know, a long, long time ago. And there's still debate over whether cats are truly domesticated. Huh. Or kind of, if they almost domesticated us. If you look at the at the, at the pure definitions of domestication, sure. you know, for something to be fully domesticated, then we control everything about its life a big part of it is controlling their reproduction which we kind of do and kind of don't with cats Um, and then there's also generally a a physical change in their anatomy and structure once they become domesticated when they're not reliant on being on their own on survival without us their skeletons become lighter a lot of them will lose you know if they had animals in general obviously cats will, will lose you know big horns or their teeth will get smaller um, the resources that they needed as on their own scrapping aren't needed as much and so you can chart when an animal becomes domesticated by those changes skeletally which is really fascinating cats don't have that
0: right <laughs> so they, have sharp, they have very sharp teeth <laughs> yeah. kittens they're born mm-hmm. with, it's so weird the animals that are born with teeth and nipples uh-huh. like because mama cats Tiny, tiny teeth. Uh-huh. Lots of tiny teeth. Uh-huh. How is that? How? It's like, what are cat nipples made of? I feel like, <laughs> like Kevlar or something. I feel like we well, they still, that.
1: they're kind of born gummy, and then they get their little nubbin teeth. But it's usually by the time we're interacting with them, they're at about, like, eight weeks, and that's when they've got their teeth. they got teeth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're crazy. I love cats. Uh,
0: So how did you make your way to comedy if you were an evolutionary biologist? Oh, That my- is an unlikely... Transformation.
1: My road is, is tortuous. Um, so, yeah, I, I've always been a comedy nerd since I was little, since I learned that it existed. Um, you know, I grew up, I'd stay up late and watch Letterman every night so from the time I was little. Um, you know, Saturday Night Live, all of that. I think kids in the hall really shaped who I am as a person. Wow, yeah. Um, but I was always the smart kid which meant a a lot of different things. I was always kind of like socially misfit and there were always a lot of expectations of me Uh. Um, from family, teachers, community in general. I was sort of picked out as like, here's a a smart kid. And um, for one thing, it never occurred to me or, you know, I, I think I just wasn't aware that like, and comedy writing was something that you could do. That There was like <laughs> right. a place you could go to and s- study it and make it a job. And that had never occurred to me. And then I think another place where I kind of was pulled in a different direction was in high school, or really like in middle school and then into high school. Probably my best memories are when it was like me and my friends, Ricky and Justin. This was like way before internet days. We would make dumb videos and sketches. Right. And, Do you still have those? Oh, uh, Justin does, I'm sure. Yeah. They're all like old VHS. So cool. All in camera editing. Oh my God. We, like like had, stop and then change it. And, you know, oh, yeah, we had light? like big robot suit that we built and would, <laughs> you know, interact with people. And like that was we, all of us, and we still talk about it now we're like that was where we were where we were supposed to be wow and then um when we got into high school there's an option to do telecom where you can then get a show on on public access cool. and so we're like yeah we're totally gonna do that and then when i went in to register for the class they wouldn't let me why because they said i needed to be on ap course and that that was a class for losers and dropouts Whoa. and they literally would not let me take the class with my friends your, your parents No, the guidance counselors. My parents are always supportive of whatever I wanted to do. The guidance counselors? Yeah, that's what the guidance counselors told me. That what you want is wrong, but you can
0: accept that because you were raised with religion, so you're like, what I want is wrong.
1: (laughs) uh, I didn't carry that much weight with it in in terms of that, but it was just sort of like, okay, my life is steering this way. I already knew that I was college-bound and all that kind of stuff. um, So was it like
0: there was an AP class you had to take that was at the same time yeah and they said you really need this AP course
1: yeah but they literally used the term that class is for losers and dropouts wow. and I'm like but those was where my friends are and right. we already have plans and right. we've been writing and yeah which has value and yeah wow. which <laughs> one of the things that's always uh it, it it brings me joy, but also like, huh? Is the movie uh, "What We Do with in the Shadows"? Have you ever seen that no, one? Oh no! It's um, got the some of the guys from "Play to the Concords. Oh yeah! And uh, and uh, Taika uh, Taika Waititi, the guy who um, he was the director of the new Avengers of the Thor Ragnarok thing. Really funny guy, funny uh, New guy. Zealand guy. But they made this show that was basically uh, this movie was basically like. Vampires in their daily life, like their roommates and like fighting about chores and stuff like that. That sounds cool. It's fantastic, but we wrote almost that identical (gasps) sketch back in high school. No. And so when I was watching it, I'm like, that was the movie we were supposed to make. Wow. (laughs) We didn't make it. I'm
0: just surprised that. They would push you Because AP credits Weren't that important Getting into college No Like one extra AP class Give me a break Like what you didn't take AP bio Yeah Who cares Like you took AP chem You're fine Whatever um, yeah, they it was would steer a, a, you so uncreatively.
1: It was a real failure in my guidance counselors. And like I was I was an art student in high school. I had like multiple art classes and art free periods a term. You know, like oh. I was showing that like I am a creative person, this is something that I enjoy. And they were still just like, nah. So that wow in that way I, I kind of ended up being steered more toward fine art. Sure. And then um, went to college uh, at Ohio State, initially started as an art major, but I'd always, I'd always grown up with this interest in nature and biology. And I just found myself at this crossroads where I was like, well, I can do art without a degree in it. Fair enough. I, I sure, I would be a better artist with a degree, but I can do it without a degree. I can't really do science without a degree. Yeah, in it. Yeah. So I changed over to Uh, evolutionary biology zoology um got my degree in that i worked as a as in field biologist for a while i worked for the park service wow and then i went to veterinary school with the plan of doing um wildlife disease work okay and where'd you go to vet school davis wow so that's what i got from midwest out here you
0: went to my ex-husband went to davis oh nice he graduated in
1: 99 oh nice yeah I graduated 2012 from there. So oh, wow, you're so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm a little. I
0: lived in I lived in Davis for a, for a while, while he was in vet school, and um,
1: it's it's a nice place. It's an it's a neat yeah. town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, do um, so you're a veterinarian? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay.
0: Here's a question. I I have two things that are one of them is sort of made up, but about evolution, and the other is about chopping my cat's balls off. Mm-hmm. He's He's nine months now. Mm-hmm. I've got his. I've got his scheduled for it for next month because I want him to get all the ball juice. I want him to get all of the testosterone mm-hmm. and be the best, biggest kitty he can be before we snip those motherfuckers up. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to sniff him up because I'm like, why would cat? I just I hate messing with nature. Like mm-hmm. nature exists, and why do we have to fuck with it all the time? Mm-hmm. Like why do we have to put our little human hand in and be like, we it this way. He's always gonna be an indoor cat. He's mm-hmm. never gonna meet a lady cat. And like, he might be sexually frustrated, but can I learn how to jerk off my cat with like a little Q tip? No. <laughs>
1: No, I can't use... Like, no, don't do that. I can't, like... No. I just have to chop off the it's, it's so much better for him to be neutered, whether he's an indoor or an outdoor cat. You know, if he's well, indoor... Outdoor, I don't want him impregnating the whole neighborhood. Well, right. And then and yeah. then if, if he's intact outside, he's going to fight more. He's going to roam right. more. He's going to get FIV. Yeah, he's yeah. going to... It's the whole thing. Um, so, yeah, it's better for him. I, I agree. Waiting it, a little later is good. It's But it, why is it better for him? Because he's not... From his perspective, he's not going to be dealing with, like, sexual frustration. He's not going to be trying to get out of your house all the time, all of that. Right. Um, and then as an indoor cat, he's not going to piss on all your stuff. So
0: do they always, always piss? Yes. They always, no matter what, when they have balls, they yes. piss? Yes. Okay, that's what I needed to hear.
1: Seriously, <laughs> and it's extra smelly when they have balls.
0: Yeah, extra smelly. Bad, bad, bad. <laughs> I know. I have the. I have the thing, but I. It's be, trying to become a joke of mine where I'm like, do I do I jack off my cat with tiny little q-tips?
1: Don't jack off your cat. No. I, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love his balls so much, though. Right now, I like to squeeze them. Oh, that's okay. They're like little pussy willows. They're just. I want to keep them. I want to make them have little earrings. Little
1: little puffy puffy pouches there okay they'll good. just be empty just the
0: empty pouches I'm uh, okay I know I need to it's the peeing thing that's but yeah. yeah so I'm waiting until he's as old but, th- but then I feel like he's gonna be so mad at me
1: he won't he'll be fine really yeah he'll be fine okay
0: Fine. I hear him from <laughs> the veterinary and everything will be fine awesome okay here's my
1: second thing yes the t-rex let's okay.
0: imagine the bones together mm-hmm. there's that weird hip cap Mm-hmm. Forcing him forward on the two legs, mm-hmm. and he has a he has an articulated spine from his head to his tail. Now, and then when you look at him, there's no breastbone. Mm-hmm. Now you know the anatomy of birds, right? Mm-hmm. All birds have a breastbone. We have a breastbone. Mm-hmm. So if you take that hip cap and flip it upside down and make it a breastbone, and then actually make his his ribs come together, and you move the little tiny arms in the front, move them back to legs, and then you flip it around, you make big wings you make huge beefy wings. I think the T-Rex was a dragon. <laughs> I think we put the bones back together wrong. Does that make sense evolutionarily that we just put the... Because, like, why? Have you ever looked at the T-Rex? Like, why? Uh, yeah,
1: I have. I... I- don't think he's put together wrong. Because <laughs> there are certain things that you look at, you're like, that's the pelvis. There's no question of whether something's a pelvis or not a pelvis. And, and there are certain things that just articulate the way that they do. You think
0: that it's a palate. See, because I think those things that stick down are actually like, when you have a bird, they're like, the, I've deboned a lot of birds. Mm-hmm. Because I debone a lot of birds. Mm-hmm. Anyways, they all have these weird little things on their back that stick up that look exactly like the T-Rex things that stick down.
1: No, but the... If you look at them muscularly, that makes sense for where their really large leg and thigh muscles would attach to those. But
0: couldn't they be big, beefy wings?
1: Uh, I'll I'll disagree with you on that one.
0: (laughs) Big, beefy wings. So we're chopping off the cat's balls. T-Rex was not a dragon. No. You really think those tiny... But why doesn't he have a breastbone? Why does he have a... I don't know. I look at those bones all the time and I think... I even even went to Costco and I bought the, the... the thing you put together mm-hmm. with a child and I put it back together the way I think it works and it <laughs> works
1: he's weird he's
0: Uh back to God so you stopped believing in God that yeah. nature is God
1: you know that kind of came in through my studying and all and all of that um, and I, I think you know when I was young I remember being like pretty young and kind of going through the thought process of like okay all There are a bunch of different versions of religion, and they're all man-made. We're taught that nothing man-made is perfect. And so, like, how can there be a a true religion where we've got all of these, they're all made by different people, they all have different perspectives, and we're all taught that they're the same. And, like, having this thought, like probably way too young to be having these kinds of existential thoughts which is why i've been gripped with anxiety my whole (laughs) life um but uh you know and being like that means that if none of this is maybe real that maybe god's not real and then be like oh shit i can't i can't think that and then having you know of course the lutheran guilt set in like i can't have that thought so you know it's something that i always kind of had in the back of my mind, but I, I remained really active in the church. I was in the choir, I was in the youth group, all of that kind of stuff growing up. Mm. Um, but I always kind of had my, like, you know, kind of not disbelief, but like questioning. Sure. Um, there, which is, you know, part of probably what brought me into science is always questioning things. Um, but then, you know, I remember the sermon where I was like, "Ah, oh, fuck this. Like yeah, this. sure. Um, and that was it was talking about kind of the the parable of, uh, you know, Jesus comes to your house, you know, or, Well, I forget how it was framed. It was was along the lines of, you know, when you give, like, to a charity or to anyone else, give as if that person is Jesus and give what you would give to Jesus, which is a a really good way to think about it. It's still a way that I think about giving and community service and, and, and all of that. But the pastor went in on this big kind of rant like so say jesus is coming to your house and he's going to have dinner are you going to make him like cheesy potatoes that come in a box no you're not gonna and, okay i went on this whole kind of derisive thing about foods that are kind of white trash foods yeah yeah. guess kind of white trash foods and and i'm sitting there i'm thinking you know Plenty of situations where, yeah, I would. One, well, that was my favorite food. Yeah, it's it fucking delicious. It's fucking delicious. And so, if someone is coming over and I, I would make them my favorite food, Yeah. that's one. And then also, there are uh, so many people in the world and in, in our communities where that box of cheesy potatoes might very well be the very best thing they have. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, I, I was like, this person who is supposed to be your spiritual guidance. Doesn't understand the world or community. Doesn't understand, is being very elitist. Elitist, yes. This is not something that I'm into. Sure. And, um, I think at that point I was just sort of like, meh. And I still would go because it meant a lot to my, to my mom. And still, when I go home, I'll go to church with, because it means something to my mom. Do,
0: does she really believe? Do you feel like she actually I think believes she does. in the
1: magic Jesus? I think she does. Sparkle Jesus, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um... Well, she said you, her daughter became a veterinarian. That's that's probably some answered prayers right there. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds that's pretty rad. I don't know. It depends. You said you had a lot of expectations put on you as a child. That, that wasn't your parents though. That was
1: it's just, just some, somewhat but but they were also pretty supportive. Like when I was like I'm going to go study art, they were like all right. Right, right. Cool. Uh, you know, they didn't they didn't really do a big thing with about that. And when I wanted to change my major, when I wanted to do things that were not typical. Yeah, They were like, all right, I was like, I'm going to leave and go travel for a while. And they were like, don't die, please. Like, they were <laughs> worried, but they were like, we're not going to stop you from doing it. So my parents really were always very supportive.
0: Are you going to, are you Are you doing, studying animals with infectious diseases now all over the world? What do you...
1: No, do you... unfortunately. So that kind of comes back to our previous question about how I ended up doing comedy. Um, so when I, in my second year of vet school, I went and I did a... Project in Africa in Kenya, Kenya, um, which was fantastic, and <laughs> oh, wow. my heart wants to go back there so badly because um, the animals are beautiful, or because ev- the people you see God in everything, everything. You're yeah, like, yeah, see God the giraffe. Did you
0: see a real giraffe? Yeah,
1: well, uh, yeah, a bunch. They just live there like They wild. just live there. It's like like squirrels, but they're giraffes. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was out in like the rural areas. You know, if you're like yeah. in Nairobi or something, it's not like that. But I was out. I was out in the rural areas, but. Um, so, while I was there, I ate some undercooked goat, and I contracted a disease called brucellosis. Whoa. And so, I ended up in nearly dying from that. Was it like a worm, or was it's, it like it's a... It's a bacteria. It's a bacteria. And it's a very kind of slow-growing... Insidious illness So I didn't really Get sick from it For about six months After I came home Whoa And you were like What is going and on? And I was just suddenly All of my joints Were locking up I was painful I was tired oh. I started running These fevers Like 107 degree what? fevers What? What? Um, That's which is, crazy Yeah Which is one of the Kind of cr- common names for the disease is undulant fever because you get these you'll go from like being fine to spiking a you know huge fever cooking
0: your brain yeah and like your brain snap of a finger yeah botch was it wasn't botulism what was it called again
1: Oh, uh, brucellosis.
0: Brucellosis.
1: And so I um, ended up in, there's a whole other story I could go into about like, you almost died. Was that, what's afterlife? Did you go to the, did you go to the light? Uh, uh, no.
0: <laughs> did you, were you in like so much pain or did the pain go away? Like you, you almost died. Yeah. What was that? I mean, we usually talk a little bit about afterlife yeah. on this. Were you
1: scared? No. I think I, I if I had died and there were periods in my recovery time that I wished I was like if I should have just died because I wouldn't have known and the the recovery period and kind of my life since then because what kind of came hand in hand with this is that I'd always had like a low level autoimmune issue but then getting that sick now I have full blown lupus and so what? I live with lupus on the on the daily so you know the the re- Recovery from that was harder than the actual being, you know, spending a month in the ICU and a month. all of, yeah, I had blood transfusions. I had like liquid tapped off my chest. I had, you know, I was did you having become, seizures. Did you
0: have become friends with the nurses? How did you cope for 30 I, days in I was ICU? not
1: sentient enough.
0: Oh, well, okay. So then where were you in that time? Do you remember any of it? Was there, was it an outer body experience? Was it like did you like what are your memories from that time are they just super foggy it's
1: a lot of just in and out oh. Um, because and you know and my mom tells me because my mom came out and took care of me during that time and for about six months afterwards she moved in with me out here which was a godsend Um and uh it's in and out you know I have some memories that are very vivid um, of like when I was lucid a lot of times like I would be just talking to somebody and then I would spike a fever, which would spike a seizure. And then I would wake up in a nice bath. Whoa. And so I don't remember things in between. Wow. Or there were, you know, whole days where I was not sentient. So, um, it was, it, where, where was I in that time? I wasn't like, you know, on an astral plane or anything. I was just, (laughs) it was just quiet. Wow. It was just quiet. Not not scary, quiet. I, I wasn't ever, sc- you know, I, I don't think I was ever scared, scared. I was miserable, but I don't think I ever remember feeling fearful during that time. Wow.
0: But um, you were miserable because it
1: was a lot of pain. It was a lot of pain. And I remember yeah. when I was being taken from isolation into the ICU early in it, and I was really, really painful and I remember looking at my mom while I was being moved and saying, I don't know if I can do this much more. It's too much. And then in that moment, going into a seizure, and my mom was just like, she's going to die. She was, my mom my mom was like, in that moment, I was like, okay, she's, she's going to die. And like, she like kind of had to come to peace with that. And so Whoa. the fact that I didn't is remarkable in a lot of ways. Um Coming back to like, what am I doing now with my life? Um, so, <laughs> now Do you ever th-
0: eat go? Have you ever eaten goat again? Have you sworn off goat forever?
1: You know, I haven't sworn off goat, but I. <laughs> You know, I, I don't eat a lot of meat, and usually if I see it on a menu, I'll be like, I'll pick something else.
0: When Was it the only food available? Was it like it someone was, gifted you the food and you felt like you had to eat it, or was no, it I mean, It was do a very
1: common food where I was. Um, you know, and, and one of the social things that you would do, um, is there were these places called Nyamachoma taverns. And so Nyamachoma is when you get like a big leg of goat and they cook it for you over a fire and roast it. And then they serve it to you kind of cut up in chunks on a big plank of wood. So you've got your big pile of meat and then a big pile of salt. And it's a communal thing, and everyone just picks from it and eats and talks, and it's a thing and it's a beautiful it was wonderful, yeah um uh, and it was really it was delicious i don't I don't regret eating goat I just uh what happened was there was a little you know on the uh, this particular one um was the shoulder, and there was you know we were picking from it, and I took a little piece of meat that was underneath the scapula that was there, and I put it in my mouth and I was like, oh, that's that's not cooked all the way, right? And then I had this moment of like spitting it out in the company I was with would be hugely disrespectful. Whoa! Um, but it was already in my mouth. I, whatever was in it, I was already exposed to, so I just ate it.
0: Is that is that true? If you if you if you put it in your mouth, that's it's over. You don't. You, if you would have spit it out, you still could have gotten. You still would have gotten probably. Wow.
1: Because the bacteria just lived there, there, and that's just the way it is. It's just there. It's in the tissues. Um, oh. Wow. So, eh, it, whatever. It happened, it happened. But where I, where I am now, where I had planned to be doing, continuing to do field work like I did when I was a, a biologist, I can't.
0: Because you have lupus.
1: Yeah. I can't be out in the sun, because sun triggers my symptoms. I get tired quickly. I get painful quickly. Yeah. So, um, I'm doing um, general practice medicine um, which is a, a whole different challenge. Sure. It's a, it's its own thing. It's not what I set out to do with my degree, but it's rewarding and it's something that I'm, I'm able to do. And then I've just sort of adjusted the goals for my life instead of being this like world traveler, adventurer, field biologist, I'm focused more on just like, okay, what makes me happy? How do I want to use my time? Wow. And so looking at that, You know, I've I've always continued to write and enjoy comedy, and I was like, I have time and resources now to do this. So, because you have a day job,
0: because you work from nine
1: to five, I have a a day job as a as a vet. Yeah, Yeah, I have I have a a day job, a stable day job, and um, enough free time to focus on other things that make me happy. And this and comedy is one of them. So I'm it's just something I decided to go back to after all these years. So you can't go to to Africa but you could travel I can still travel yeah yeah I I go to Central America like about once a year usually yeah um and but field work's just too dangerous yeah I can't be that remote anymore I can't yeah the physical stress of field work is just not something that's viable for me anymore how did you
0: you were in the ICU for a month but you came back and graduated from veterinary school. Like, how much time did you? How much time do you have to take off? Did you have to take off a whole year? What happened? You just oh. told them you were like, I made. Hey,
1: I'm sick. I made some dumb choices. Um, so I was really grappling with whether to drop out for a while, whether to push through, what I could do, how I was going to make up my work, and I was really fortunate in that, you know, a, a lot of professional programs. There's a lot of competition. Um, and in our particular class, there was a, a really a lot of community. Everybody kind of looked out for each other. Hmm. And so with the exception of one class where the professor was just like, I don't do makeup tests. You got to take this test. or And it was like, obviously, I'd missed a month. I'd been to no lectures, no labs, nothing. Yeah. Um, you got to take this test or not do or fail, basically. Um, all the other professors let me take my summer to make up what I had missed and yeah. stay on track. And I had... For that class and and really for for a lot of things where I had missed, I had classmates that were willing to share notes and uh, help get me caught up. Yeah. And so I think that's a big part of why in a lot of ways it was dumb because I should have just rested and healed, but also I needed to be doing something. Sure. Being sick with nothing to do is the worst. So you were just sick and you still did the worst. Yeah, because all, all of our cl- our lectures were podcasted. Oh, so my God. I, I did most of my classwork from bed. Wow. And then would show up to do the labs and the exams. And
0: Wow. I, Your, I remember what they called 490s. No, I don't remember the numbers. Yeah. I went to one with my ex-husband and I remember it so vividly. It was so fun. There was a big cow in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. And he said, if you want to make the cow pee, you just rub the vulva. Uh-huh. And he starts rubbing the vulva. The cow's brrr. I was yeah. like, there's ah, so much pee that comes out of a cow. <laughs> yeah. I'd never seen a cow pee like that before. Yeah. So I was like,
2: what?
1: Sometimes you got to get pee samples.
0: Yeah. I was like, wow.
2: I
1: yeah. was
0: very. It was fun when I got to go to like the some of the wet labs but sh- yeah yeah <laughs> but it, it, i mean i know cuz my ex-husband was in it vet school is hard mm-hmm. it is hard mm-hmm. like and when you have to do the when you have to do those rotations and you have to do the emergency and that and the hours i remember he was gone like 18 hours a day mm-hmm. sometimes he was gone early in the morning and then came home late at night and that was at school the whole time mm-hmm. just drinking coffee yep like Ah, uh, it's. I uh, just to let the listening audience know, like she didn't just like you know almost die and then you know get a vendetta. It's that's fucking hard. Like you have to be they branded you as super smart they did when you were a kid mm-hmm. so, uh, when I was little that's all I ever wanted to, them to do is to brand me as really smart and they didn't so I would have taken your opportunity to be like, <laughs> you think I'm a smart because I was constantly like no 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 tell me I'm smart I'm smart right am I, am I smart and I didn't realize like the Lisa Simpson thing like mm-hmm. it's when you're being fucking annoying and you don't know how to stop being so fucking annoying <laughs> <laughs> like look at
1: Oh, and I think now in education there's a big move away from like the talented and gifted programs where you like separate kids out into smart and less smart sure and like because what a self-fulfilling prophecy to tell a kid that you're not good enough to be in this group right you know yeah. and I was always I originally wasn't in the program because I'm a very different learner I don't mm. take standardized tests and things like that very well. I'm a very visual learner. I usually will, given the same problem, I will come at it a very different way than everyone around me. Sure. And so at first I was identified as just a weirdo. And then my teachers were like, no, she's smart. She's just different smart. And that's kind of always been my approach to things. But um, I don't think it's good to... You don't. Not to say it's not good to encourage kids, but I think branding people as like you're really smart and we expect these things of you, or you're not smart, and
0: right, or you're 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 really pretty. (laughs) But am I smart? You're really pretty.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Teaching girls that their primary value is how they look. You know, a lot of things that really I, I grew up with that I'm I'm very happy are different now. Sure. Um, because I see you know a lot of my chronic anxiety and depression and things that I've dealt with now that I'm an adult and I sit down and I look back on these things I'm like I can trace a lot of that back to kind of tropes that I was fed sure. when I was young but
0: you're not that old you're in, you're in your early
1: 30s yeah uh, mid 30s Mid thirties. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah you're young yeah you so much so much time wait till you have yeah oh, I have the, the body of a 75 year old it
0: feels like hey explain to me I, I read a book when I was little about lupus it was a it was a fictional story mm-hmm. but it's the only real knowledge I have of it other than the girl who had it on the real world but she didn't talk about it no no no, that was, Lyme, it was disease. Lyme disease that was isn't Lyme that weird disease. that
1: we both knew exactly what we were talking <laughs> about oh yeah yeah Irene she had Lyme <laughs> she disease had Lyme disease. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and everybody always said she was like I'm really tired I feel sick and people would be like
1: yeah whatever and it's like that's a real thing. it's very real
0: and it's the same thing with lupus an autoimmune thing so it's your is it your lymph nodes that
1: attack you it it it, it can manifest differently in all different kinds of people um and in my particular my my ongoing symptoms are with my joints and connective tissue and my digestive tract so Mm -hmm. i go through times where i can't eat or i can only do liquids um and then i also just i'm painful and tired wow a lot of the time yeah so you know one of the Nice things that's come from it is that I've by force I've had to learn to live a more balanced life. Oh, you know I look at some of my peers who then went on to do residencies and are working at universities and all this kind of stuff, and they're esteemed and accomplished, but that's all that they do. Right, is
0: a hundred percent veterinary medicine all the time, all day long. Yeah, gets, you drink it,
1: and so by. F- if I don't take time to look after myself and, you know, take a break and make sure I have allotted time for rest and for, you know, make sure I go to a yoga class every week because that keeps my joints moving. And yeah. like I just drove here straight from the chiropractor's office. I have to I do a lot of it's like it's another full time job just to keep my body functional right, maintenance. Yeah, <laughs> But um, I have to live a more balanced life or else I get sick. Wow. and so it's it's good in a lot of those ways, yeah, and, yeah and uh, but you spend a lot of
0: time um in performance now, and uh, and that gives you joy being exactly. On stage.
1: yeah. And I think you know i I came back to comedy via improv, oh okay, which was all just sort of serendipitous. I went to a workshop, and I, i've I've always been just devastatingly shy and anxious, oh. And I found that improv made me a lot more confident and a lot more open. Sure. Um, yes, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, of just being able to be like, ah, I can't control this. Fuck it, let's go with it. Yeah. And like applying that to sure. other parts of my life. Yeah. And you know, I I know there's there tends to be this sort of cultural division in stand up versus improv.
0: <laughs> it's all. I mean, <laughs> which is it's ex- super it's, dumb. It's radical self. It's, it's radical self expression. Choose your medium. It's exactly. I mean, and and I
1: find I yeah. find that for me one informs the other in, in a big way
0: well because it means you can work well with others mm-hmm. a lot of stand up comedians don't like improv people because they work alone Yeah. like it's it's i mean in the hubris of a comedian to stand up on stage and think that with a microphone and one's self that mm-hmm. one could be entertaining i mean yeah that's right but with improv there's a group there's almost kind of safety in numbers but there but also it can be more difficult i have mm-hmm. trouble with improv because i don't play well with others so yeah. Like I never sort of know where to jump in or how to be like, yeah, I don't know. That's, yeah. but but I don't I don't disrespect improv. I think good improv is great, mm-hmm. but I think that good improv is very rare. Uh huh.
1: And and I agree. There's a lot a lot, a lot of times where. I mean that's the nature of it. Even the best improvisers will put on shows like, "Oh, that made no sense. That was that was unwatchable." <laughs> but as as long as you know, in watching improv a lot too, as long as the performers are enjoying it, the audience will derive some joy from it. Sure. While we're on that, let's do a little shout out to all out comedy theater in Oakland. Cool. Um that's not the first place that I did improv, but I just finished their sort of curriculum, their like sort of five class series thing, and, and I'm going to be part of a of a group there now. But uh, it's a wonderful theater. It's on um, Telegraph in Oakland. If anyone even just wants to try improv, thinks that it would be fun, or wants to see if it helps them with being more confident and less anxious sure. and anything like that they do trial classes they do in, in intro classes all the time and it's a wonderful place cool what's so, your improv group called you're going to be doing shows there oh the we place? haven't picked a name yet because um, oh. we literally just finished kind of going it, it, it's kind of a structure similar to uh, from what i understand like how second city does it and some of these others where you go th- or ucb i guess is more like that where you go through the curriculum and then once you've been like okay you're there then you can have stage space and so we're just kind of our our little cohort is just sort of at the um the starting point of doing our own things we haven't sorted all that out yet gotcha gotcha yeah but there are a lot of a lot of really good groups and they bring in they do stand up there they do they do a lot of great stuff at that theater cool yeah i think i've driven by there yeah but it's a cute little
0: space haven't been it's uh 30 it's 30 seats probably pretty small
1: um, it's more than thirty. It's it's yeah. It's it's a decent sized space. Uh huh. It's it's a nice little theater, and uh, yeah. So you know, I I came to stand up. It's some. I've always loved stand up, and improv is kind of what gave me the confidence to get back into doing comedy. Sure. And stand up for me was more like I like to write. I like to think about things and write things, and then i'm i'm not one for like setting up a blog or something that right. doesn't really fit me so stand up is a way for me to be like here's some stuff that i wrote yeah here's some M- stuff i'm thinking about Maybe more thinking so about than too. like for me it's not like a, hey look at me it's like a here's some stuff that i've been <laughs> you know i don't know that's, sure. that's kind of how i approach it um do you have a upcoming any upcoming shows uh show yeah cases? i'm i'm gonna have playing tonight at Tommy T's oh, in cool. Pleasanton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, think 730 or eight, eight o'clock show. Right um, So yeah come out there if you're out that way. Um, and then I host a, a night at the Fireside in Alameda the first Monday of every month. Oh wow. Yeah. Alameda's awesome. I love Alameda. It's so cute. Yeah it is. Um, but and I, I think I really really enjoy hosting. Yeah. And I think that comes from uh Again, coming back to improv, sure. I, I like kind of playing off of whoever is around, and, right. and well, and
0: it's you have to be. Um, that's how hosting works. Yeah, there's you no have script to script for. You host. have to be
1: flexible <laughs> yeah. and kind of just work with what comes, and I find that uh, exciting. I, I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and I my hope with this room in in Alameda is to make a very kind of an inclusive and warm space for people to come and be creative. Yeah. Because there are a lot of rooms where there's this. A little a lot of attitude. Well, uh, comics, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's. It, I mean, it starts with the,
0: uh, the, you know, the narcissistic entitlement of thinking that oh, I'm I could stand up on the stage and be entertaining by uh, yeah, myself. Yeah, which so I'm guilty
1: breeds, of as well. <laughs> but that,
0: that breeds, I think, in comedians like sort of. Um, I mean, I don't think that we necessarily need to be competitive because the audience has an infinite
1: ability to laugh i think that's a really perfect way to put it um yeah because i think there is a lot of competitiveness that doesn't need to be there or like ego that doesn't necessarily to be there yeah and sometimes right. you know yeah, i've done ego. rooms where i go in um, and it just it, there's almost like a palpable feeling of like Ugh, this right, isn't right. is comfortable well, for anyone. Of, of-
0: I'm waiting, for, <laughs> I'm waiting for my time. I'm not going to listen to anybody else. I'm going to do my time and get out of here. That, yeah. That's, I mean, we don't want to foster that kind of,
1: And That's something I always kind of struggle with too. I, I know I don't get up as much as I should to really be progressing as fast as I should. Part of it is that I, I don't always have the energy or time right. for all the things we just talked about. Yeah, exactly. um, but part of it is when I go to a mic, I tend to post up and watch everybody. Right. Because I'm going to learn from people. Hmm. and it doesn't help anyone if you're playing to a room of people who are in their notebooks the whole time and then leave when they're done, and I I get that too because there's also the approach of I want to get as many reps in as possible, and I totally get that too, Um, but I tend to post up and just kind of watch everybody, and I think that comes back too to why I enjoy hosting because then that's my job. Yeah, 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 (laughs) exactly,
0: is paying attention. I'm I'm the same way in that I like to, be in i like to be engaged in the comedy what's happening on stage and i like Mm to i'm a member of the audience when i'm hosting but lately i've been having to run the instagram and so rather than be engaged in what's happening Mm -hmm. on a personal level i end up staring at people through a screen trying to take a good picture so that i can post it yeah and so it removes me you gotta get an intern I know That's. I wish like how do you do that I don't know yeah don't know. hey you want to come take pictures you gotta get a volunteer
1: yeah someone who's a comedy nerd get some high school kid yes yeah, someone, <laughs> someone doesn't
0: understand that I'm on the radio right now it's like don't do that don't call me uh, I should turn turn down I'm being I'm being rude I, I have a the other problem is that I have I have a dumb phone mm-hmm. I don't have a smartphone so it's not as easy I don't know I just I don't believe in the future I'm so scared mm-hmm. of it uh, you face death. What are you afraid? You're not, and you say you're super anxious. Where do, do you
1: have any f- fears left? Or I mean, definitely. I'm, I mean, I've. I think anxiety, like clinical anxiety, is is a neurological condition. It's not necessarily something that is just like, oh, it's because I think this way. So I still have very real, like, neurologic response, and a lot of it's social anxiety, um, or just yeah. I don't, I don't fear my own death in any way. I do fear the people around me dying. Huh. I have real fears about like losing my parents and and those kind of inevitable things that will happen. Yeah. That I don't want to happen. Those things I'm afraid of, um, but I don't fear my own mortality. Really, at all? So,
0: I mean, oh, that takes off all the pressure because that's what usually people turn to religion for.
1: Yeah, that, that,
0: the fear of mor- of mortality is so great that yeah. then they're like, I have to, I have to have morality. Yeah, my no. mortality gives me morality,
1: and and that's, I think. A problem with with religion, with organized religion, maybe not with just spirituality. Like, I, I know it sounds really like Instagram hashtag-y but like I do consider myself to be spiritual. I look at things and I appreciate the beauty, and I feel connectedness, yeah. and I feel moved. Um, but I don't need to have somebody telling me that I'll go to hell if I don't help somebody. Right, I'm just right, going right. to help somebody because that's right. that's what you do, and and part of being a person is being part of your community sure. and taking care of those people in your community helps everybody.
0: Which is what Jesus was talking about. A lot of that stuff. He was like, Hey, tax collectors are people too. (laughs) Prostitutes are people too. Yeah. You just, it's
1: so important to take care of your community, whatever that community is. Sure. And so I don't think I need the, the hammer of hell to make me, take care of things and sure. people. I just, it's, I just do.
0: That, see, but are we losing that? I feel like our, who's, are people, are we really thinking about each other now or are we yeah. completely thinking about ourselves? Like, I just, I look at what's happening in our country and yeah. I'm like, oh God. I'm like, what, why are we like... <laughs> I mean the whole ice thing is crazy the whole immigration thing for me and Mm -hmm. there's so many things right now that I'm like are we people like what's wrong with Mm -hmm. so like I think a certain way and I think that I'm right but there's other people that think Totally opposite of and what I think, as and just
1: passionately, and they
0: th- they think they're doing the right thing. They mm-hmm. think that they could be following Jesus or listening to the Word of God or doing whatever oh, yeah. they're doing, and they truly believe that what they're doing is right. And I look at them and go, "Wow, that's pretty fucking evil."
1: And that's a big thing that pushed me from religion too. Is is just being able to observe like people using, being like, "I'm going to use the name and image and all of that of." Of Jesus Christ, who taught love and patience yeah, and yeah. care for your neighbors and all of that, and use that to justify, um, you know, attacking gay people, right? Or yes. locking yeah. up children, yes, yes. and uh, you know, or fighting really any wars, right? Yeah, I don't understand that whole thing, and you know. that's, you know, it, it shows that there's such a a perversion and a distance from what those original teachings and those original scriptures were supposed to mean. Right. And I don't really want to be part of it. Now, part yeah. of, you know, and again, coming back to me then getting into science, part of being a scientist is the openness of saying, I don't know. Right. I don't know. And in... But do we have to be definitive? This is, this is this, yeah. and this is that. It's and like, that's well, why I'm not I like, I'm not like, I'm an atheist and right, I'm right, like, right, right. I don't know, maybe. Sure. I don't think it's the picture that we've painted. But I think, you know, if there were something bigger I'd and like, yeah, I'd be open to that. But I don't think that it's the, you know, the fundamentalist following letter by letter of a book that was meant to be, you know, not not to sound, you know, derisive of it, but essentially, you know, moral fairy tales. Yeah. Yeah. Stories to teach. You know, a good way to do again be take care of your community.
0: And sometimes it's they're not. I, I read some of those Old Testament. Oh yeah, there's stories some weird like, shit in there. What?
1: When? That- what are you trying to?
0: What exactly are you trying to say with this? Like, I yeah. I, I read the Bible sometimes just to try to write feminist uh, jokes mm-hmm. because I just think it's so.
1: Oh yeah, it's terrible unbelievable
0: that so many people believe in this text that just. Does the weirdest thing that disrespects women and, and Yeah, and people
1: who they, like really base like their marriages on the idea of subservience to men sure. and, and all that because it was written in a two thousand year old book. Right. And and
0: some of that stuff is translational. Yeah. Also, because if it came from Aramaic and it went to Greek and then it went to to Latin and then it went to English, come on now. Yeah, there's some and then like old timey English and versus well, American and English. And then the, you versus, know you get
1: like it, it's been changed. Like we have a King James version of the Bible because someone's like let's let's tweak some things. Yeah. And how many times through the ages have have people been like I'm going to tweak this to fit my view or my political exactly. agenda and then that gets passed down again. It's almost interestingly very much like descent with modification and evolution we have this thing that has been changed over and over again as a function of the environment that it's in wow and now we have to look at it and be like is this still an adaptive thing to to use yeah and my my conclusion is no
0: yeah, I mean I agree with that. It's I think some of the New Testament things, well, I okay, so I'll back it up. I think that if we could teach people critical thought, then any text can be a good and useful text. Yeah, absolutely. Like but it's about being able to think critically about where you are now and what that means and contextually what that means or what you can glean from it from like a more you know, esoteric reading or if yeah. you're...
1: You can get a lot of these same messages from Star Trek. It, yes! It just depends on... Absolutely, that's so your, ...your critical evaluation of something that's in front of you. Yeah. And whether you know and text you know and you can use text broadly as being you know video media audio media all of that Mm. um it's it's a communication of ideas and you just have to interpret it
0: so then if we have so much access to so many stories and so many like how are we why are we so polarized right now how can we that it's i just feel like the ideals that I carry in my heart as being meaningful and important seem to be in direct opposition to 50% of the people that live around here with us. Yeah.
1: And I feel that way too. And, you know, we're fortunate, even though it is here in the Bay Area, with a much smaller percentage as far as the people that you interact with on your day to day. But, you know, my family's from the Midwest. I remember my mom after the election being like, I was just so, my mom doesn't talk like that, but whenever I do my mom, I do this very thick Midwest accent. <laughs> right on. My mom's like, I was just so surprised that there were so many Trump signs. And I'm like, I'm not. I grew up in that town. I know what people are like. Sure. Like, it doesn't surprise me at all. And I think a lot of... of I think a lot of it is is a lack of empathy and a lack of exposure. I think you grow up in communities where... You know, and maybe because of interpretations of religion, you're taught that gay people are bad. Sure. You're taught that trans people are not valid. You're taught all of these things, mm-hmm. and you're taught that their existence is an affront to you and your faith.
0: Right. I. That's how. I, that's. It's and crazy for me to understand that there are people that think this though. But, but from a moral standpoint, absolutely, they're taking a moral high ground against gays, abortion
1: trans yeah and then because
0: uh, that's bad that's wrong I was told that's wrong
1: but yeah think about you if you were raised to think that and that was the core of your belief it can be hard without the opportunity to be exposed to trans people people of color um, Mm -hmm. gay people um, (laughs) women (laughs) women (laughs) non non subservient women women, um, women without the opportunity to be exposed to and learn from other people it's going to be really hard to break that. And, you know, we're lucky in that we live in a place where we can meet all these different people right. and people read. I
0: th- think that the only way to have someone understand or, or experience empathy is through reading. Like when mm-hmm. you read a first person narrative, like it could be, I could read a story about a KKK guy. Who's a, who's a first person. Like I can learn. That's how I can understand what that person's thinking mm-hmm. is that, books allow you to jump into a person's sort of right. psyche. that's how they're designed almost so and it is possible to
1: like like you said take somebody who's in the kkk who i'm fundamentally not going to agree with but yeah. if you can you can at least take the time to be like why do they think this way what's their story that brought them there right because nobody's born Wearing a hood Right (laughs) You know Exactly It's something that comes out Of your culture Your upbringing Your surroundings And could If that same person Were dropped here In San Francisco Their life would have been Totally different Probably Yeah they might be A burning man zealot But there's still Like Has to be somewhere in there Even though on a Deep and visceral level I disagree with Everything about them Absolutely Something that's still Human and empathizable Within them I would I would hope
0: I mean well That's the thing Is that they're people. They've got to be people. I was. I used to be really afraid of people in the Midwest, and I, I went out there for a comedy thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how am I going to relate to these people? Mm-hmm. But then, even just saying these people like makes me just as bad. They're, right. they're just people. Y- they just happen to be much larger people because they mm-hmm. eat too much corn syrup. But they're, <laughs> they're, they They really are human beings. Yeah. And so,
1: and and we have to be careful too. We look at ourselves. Oh, we're these enlightened liberals. It's just as easy for us to do the othering. As they're doing Exactly And we have to We have to be watchful of that Because that's how we get We get device Like the kind of division That we're seeing now And and I so scary I, I really think it all comes down to Lack of empathy And whether that's Been cultural Or just lack of exposure Yeah I think all kids should grow up watching RuPaul's Drag Race. I, yeah, I think it's, it's one of the best teaching shows out there. As far as like people come from different places and experience different things and are beautiful and lovely and love yourself.
0: They really talented. <laughs> they fucking can sew like motherfuckers. Oh my they god, can, yeah. They they it's it's like
1: even the ones who were like, oh my god, I can't sew, and then put on this beautiful thing. <laughs>
0: I made it with duct tape. Look at this. Yeah,
1: like, you make it work. <laughs> yeah, make it
0: work. Tuck, tuck the balls back. Yeah, um, no, I, I, I love RuPaul's Drag I do Race. Too. I love it so much. I'm so
1: excited the new season's going back. uh,
0: It's one of my, that's one of my
1: guilty pleasures. We should do a RuPaul podcast. Oh.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, I loved RuPaul too as um, himself in Mm -hmm. the movie, but I'm a cheerleader. Mm -hmm. Did you ever see that? I haven't seen the whole thing. I've seen
1: parts of it. Yeah,
0: It's great. The costume design Uh in that is
1: fantastic.
0: (laughs) And um, I love the girl who's in it, that main Natasha. Um. She's in that new Russian doll. Yeah, yeah, really uh, Natasha Leon. yeah, Natasha Lyonne.
1: Yeah, Natasha that Russian
0: great. doll show is fantastic. It was, and that was like, does God exist? Where people? Why do people matter? Yeah. Is it interpersonal connections? Uh-huh. And like, yeah, I thought that that was all. I yeah,
1: I love that really Amy good. Poehler was the executive producer of that. Be- it's yeah, so out of her typical genre people and would beautiful choose to
0: write a stories the, about. Well, even I watched the first one. I'm like, where are they going to go with this mm-hmm. story?
1: That was good. It's great. Do you,
0: so when you say you, do you write like just jokes or do you write like comedy bits like, or do you, do you, do you sort of a narrative thing? Are you sending uh, into the New Yorker? Like what's your like
1: no, writing you know, style? I, just, I, I do some writing that, cause I think science communication is really important. So I, I do some kind of writing in, in that vein and Try to kind of figure out how to make that into into jokes sometimes, and then sometimes I just write jokes or thoughts. Mm. And stylistically, what I like in comedy are kind of the narratives that are that are tied together. So you look at like um, my, how Mike Burbiglia or um, John Mullaney do their their work of like everything you have all of these individual bits but you can tie them together with a string sure and that's I'm not saying that's what I do because I'm still (laughs) learning and growing and I don't think I'm there yet but that's kind of stylistically what I aspire to right on yeah so I, I just think it's a it's a neat way to do it
0: do you do any jokes about being a veterinarian
1: I don't. Honestly, this is the first. Uh, is the first time you've
0: ever let it out of the it's bag. The first time I've
1: ever <gasps> let it out of the bag. You let the cat out of the bag. The, yeah, literally, because yeah, it's being a vet is weird, um, and people it's awesome. people cling to it in weird ways. Yeah. and so I They're find like. I have a cat. I find in, it's easier in my life outside of that to just like pretend that it's not a thing. That's cool. And I, I dedicate fully to it when that's what I'm doing. And then when I'm away from it, I step away from it.
0: That's so unlike all the veterinarians that I knew in vet school. Because I was uh-huh. there in Davis for th- three years well, uh-huh. out of four years of his education. And I learned very quickly that unless you learn how to talk about veterinary medicine, you have nothing to talk about with anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like... For years, that yeah. I just learned about gastric torsion mm-hmm. and gastric bypass and how to double ligate the vas deferens. Uh-huh. And, I mean, Jesus, it was like if yeah, I didn't you got all the lingo down. If
1: and, I didn't learn the lingo,
0: I was
2: And
1: if on. I'm in a in a group of, of veterinarians and technicians, that's yeah, that's where it ends up going. Um, but I. Again, being forcibly, very forcibly forced to live a more balanced life, I find that it is good to be able to put that on a shelf. Wow. And I think that I'm a better doctor when I can be 100% in when I'm in and then set it aside. Wow. Except you should, you got to mind that shit. You have a whole built-in audience. Uh Uh-huh. You have
0: all, you're... (laughs) You have the whole built-in audience. You could be giving flyers all the time. Yeah, I person. know, I
1: know. But yeah, and that's you like,
0: are so balanced because I would go overboard. I'd be like, I'm a veterinarian, but I was a comedian just in pulse. Yeah, like, come,
1: <laughs> on, come on, see me at Tommy T's tonight. But to do it,
0: yeah, like I couldn't be able to keep it separate at all.
1: And that's you know, my voice teacher is who also does comedy, and he he's always like, you should be talking about this shit, and I'm like. I need to, uh, borrowing from Liz Lemon, who is my soulmate, um, I need to separate my work self from my life me. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's fair. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, otherwise,
0: your work becomes your identity.
1: Yeah. And that can
0: happen, I think, with veterinarians, too. Absolutely. That that their whole identity is being a veterinarian. Mm -hmm. And... And then, but, but I think we set people up that way and that we're like, okay, you go to high school and you do this and then you go to college Uh and you do this and then you go to graduate school and you do this. And now you're like, I'm 28 and I don't, and I'm a veterinarian, but that's all I am. Yeah. And and it's like, who am I? What am I doing? All I've been in is school for years. And that's
1: part of kind of what brought me back to doing comedy and doing more creative things is that I, I went through that whole pipeline of what society says you do. You do, you go, you do well in high school, you go to college. You do, you know, your internships, you go and you get all these degrees and then you keep being told and then you'll arrive and then you'll arrive. And for one thing, you never do. There's always more you can do. But then also you kind of get to that, that plateau and you're like, oh, this is, this is, this is what it's all been for. It's all been like a kind of a dangled carrot. And then you get there and you're like, ah, fuck, there's got to be more than this. Yeah. And,
0: and now you do you do skin you do you do, do, see a lot of derm?
1: Yeah, <laughs> you see
0: a lot of itchy butts. Yeah,
1: I, I see a, I see a lot of all a lot kinds of, hot of butts. Spots. A lot of all kinds of butts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. know more about animal butts than you anyone wants to know. <laughs> yeah, no, no. That's hey,
0: that I think it's silly that we feed our animals. I learned um dry kibble foods, so much dry stuff, and that we got it shelf stable. They didn't used to do that. It wasn't until World War II mm-hmm. that they made the they made the chow because well, that's they, true of
1: human food too. All of our packaged food is like a byproduct of technology they were developing for for military rations. yeah, wow,
0: I did that corn syrup
1: yeah. And all, all the stuff that's packaged, thats that was all technology that was developed for feeding the military. Wow. And then when oh, we were so in nice. non-war time, we were like, well, what do we do with this? I don't know. We make some Doritos. Wow. And now we have what we eat now. Wow. <laughs> uh, do you have to really watch your diet because of your afflictions? I do, and I'm not as good about it as I should be. Mm. Yeah. I have a bad a bad soda habit. Oh. Yeah, it's super
0: gross. No, hey, I I, I blame my kidney stones on my rampant diet coke. Use yeah.
1: The, in my yeah. early twenties. Other than that I probably eat pretty well, but I have I take in way too much way more sugar than I should, which I know is a pro inflammatory food. Oh. But it's it's uh it's a psychological addiction. It's a comfort, especially coming from the Midwest, it's a comfort. Yeah. Yeah, you're a doctor. You know that. I know shit. that. It's, it's, it's like all the, it's, you know, you, you go by any hospital, like loading dock, and there will be like a dozen nurses out there smoking. Yeah. And a lot of it comes too when you when you are working in a high stress environment, which like when I'm in the office, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. I, sure. I used to work emergency, which is not oh. a thing I can do anymore. That's um, how an emergency veterinary. And yeah, and it's you just grab what you can to keep going. Yeah. And so
0: he used to work this 52 hour shift, sometimes from sometimes from five on Friday until Monday morning yeah. at 8. And I was like... And I'd sleep at the hospital. That, that was a cool place because they, uh-huh. they had a little room and they'd let me sleep at the hospital. And yeah. if I wouldn't have,
1: I'd never would seen him because yeah.
0: he worked the craziest hours.
1: And I think that's a real problem in human medicine and veterinary medicine is that there, there kind of is this like hazing structure where it's, you know, the people who came before us, they worked like this and they did this. And so this is the way it's going to be. You're going to, you know, do this residency where you're treated like absolute shit because that's what the people who came before you did. And that's not what's best for the patients. It's not what's best for, for anyone involved. It's, it's strictly this, this kind of archaic thing. And you wonder why suicide rates are so high It Really? In doctors? In doctors. And in, in, in veterinarians, uh, suicide rate is uh, more than four times greater than the general population. What? Yeah. Because the expectations are so high? The expectations are so high. The emotional weight. Um, a yeah. lot of times people will, will really hold this sort of emotional blackmail over veterinarians of like, you know... Why won't you you fix my animal for free? Oh. You charge too much. It's because all you care about is the money. And we're like, no, we have to keep the lights on so we can help. Yeah, animals. help the animals. Yeah, and people come in and, and they treat you like absolute shit. They will um just rake your name on Yelp if if they think oh. that, and there are plenty of there are countless stories of veterinarians who've committed suicide after like a bullying Yelp campaign was started by someone. Wow. There you can you know dig for many stories about that.
0: You got I mean that's that's the craziest thing because the whole point of veterinarians we love our animals so Mm -hmm. much and, and, and people that's th- your whole purpose is to help us love our animals as, for as safely and as long as possible. Yeah.
1: Like, <laughs> And I don't think people understand the level of sacrifice that goes into the profession. And so they'll come in and drop the, oh, all you care about the money on you, or um, you don't really love animals, or <laughs> the one I like, always makes me kind of laugh, people are like, oh, I used to want to be a veterinarian, but I just love animals too much, <laughs> this kind of, like, thing that we're like, what What does that even fucking mean? But, um, yeah, there's a lot, people don't understand the sacrifice that it takes, Yeah. and people think that an internet search is equivalent to our degree's.
0: It, yeah, it's and, and vet school is hard. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I just secondhandedly, it was hard. Uh-huh. And I can't even imagine like the. Uh. Um, I I do have an example before we wrap up of a, a veterinarian who did who did love animals too much. Mm-hmm. She uh, her last name is her name is Doctor Loss, but which is funny because mm-hmm. she's a veterinarian. Um, that she was driving down the road and she saw a dead possum. Mm-hmm. And she pulled over to check its pouch Mm -hmm. and she pulled out nine baby possums and then took them to her veterinary clinic and then just waited as they died one by one over the next week. But like, I mean, I think possibly there's, you I worked in wildlife
1: rehab for a while and that was a common thing because anytime there's a dead possum, you check the pouch and we had all, I love baby possums because I've spent a lot of time with them. They're fantastic. They can't carry rabies, right? They can. Any, oh, I thought it, they can. Any mammal can carry rabies. Really? So I don't recommend going out. I mean, veterinarians were dumb uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff. We put ourselves in a lot of unnecessary harm, um, but also we're vaccinated. Oh, yeah.
0: Gotcha. It's part. You'd, you'd have no problem sticking your hand in a dead possum pouch. No.
1: Wow. My hands have been in a lot of places.
0: Yeah. But a dead possum <laughs> pouch. Yeah. It's like any pouch. It's got to be weird. Like. Yeah it's like like a mucous membrane of yeah. weirdness
1: <laughs> that's a perfect sound There's <laughs> somebody who has oh I forget what the sound what the condition is where you can't stand the sound of people like chewing some, there's, I'm sure there's some listener that has that that just lost their goddamn mind right right that. yes so gross, I'm sorry so that's
0: a moist sound a lot of yeah. people don't like the word moist don't either. even like the word yeah it's gross Uh, cool hey Annie too this has been enlightening you have any last words about God people can come see you tonight at Tommy T's
1: yeah if you want to come out to Tommy T's and and check me out and it's a really good lineup and um, yeah how long long is your set I don't know oh I don't know I'm just winging it cool yeah it's that improv thing (laughs) but (laughs) um, but yeah uh, last thoughts about about Jesus I think I think Jesus has a lot to teach us but it needs to be uh, in context yeah And just, I think the takeaway is to take care of each other and take care of your community.
0: That's, those are some good last words. Uh, go <laughs> check out Annie Two coming up soon at All Out Theater with her new improv group yet to be named. Mm-hmm. And again tonight at Tommy T's. And any other thing you want to
1: plug that you do in Oakland? You, uh, you said Monday nights. First Mondays of every month at the Fireside in Alameda, there's a um, an open mic. And we do pre-signups for the odd slots on Bay Area Comedy Network. So um, you can look for my postings there. And uh, yeah, just follow me on Facebook. I don't have an Instagram because I... It stresses me out, but yeah, it's me too. But I do. But I do Facebook. I do. Yeah, cool. Just follow me there. Right
0: <laughs> Annie on, Annie too. Annie too. Thanks so much for being here, and being on. Some call me Tim. We'll be back next week with. Let's look it up. I'm so disorganized. Uh, but next week is the 20th. Kelly Evans. Woo. Kelly Evans, comedian. Kelly Evans. He has a beard and he's a sommelier. All right. Those are the things I know about him. That's going to be a good one. Yeah. I'm like, bring me some wine. (laughs) Uh, uh, Thank you guys for being on some Call Me Tim. And we'll see you next week. Bye.
3: Well gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> Asiento. Asiento. Take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas and a relaxed community atmosphere.
0: for a burger mutiny radio thinks you'll find the best burger in san francisco at of his diatribes I've learned yeah
2: eight bucks come down to our patio it's open in the afternoon are you tired
3: of swimming through a sea of podcasts are you on a raft without a pattern we'll- <laughs> That's Paul's Boutique. Ask for Janice when you call there for the best in men's clothing.
4: Be. I curse! Take this as a simple rhyme Cause this type of thing happens all the time now What would you do if a stranger said Hi Would you diss him or would you reply If you answer there is a chance That you'll become a victim of circumstance Am <laughs> I right fellas? Tell the truth Or else I'ma have to show and prove You are what you are I am what I am It just so happens that <laughs> Most men are Man, I don't even want to hear about it. You're just fessing. That's it, that's it. I give up. I can't make a record with you guys. You guys are a bunch of funky, funky idiots, man. I'm out of here. Bye. Fine, man. Just get at it, man. You don't know how to produce a record. No, I'll just take a walk, man. Now, we don't even need you here. We'll do we do ourselves. And Bazooty, you're not even helping anyway. So you get out. Word, man. That's right, man. You guys didn't even... Oh, look at this, man. They didn't even turn
2: on the Oh, man, word, man.
3: Sir, you, sir, choose to choose, sir, with the goo-goos, choose, sir, do, sir. Mr. Fox, sir, I won't do it. I can't say it, I won't chew it. Very well, sir, step this way. We'll find another game to play. Bim comes, Ben comes, Bim brings Ben Broom, Ben brings Bim Broom, Ben Bens Bims Broom, Bim Bens Bim. Bens Broom, Bims Bens, Bim. Bens Bim. Bens, Bens Bens. sing together that famous tongue twister fox
4: in socks come, and and fox socks sir look sir mr nox, sir. let's do tricks with bricks and boxer let's do tricks with clocks